Hi, this is Bobby Burton, and I'm your host. This is On Texas Football. Today on On Texas Football, we're going to go and do something that's a little interesting here. We're calling it the state of the team, kind of our own little state of the union for where Texas is right now, sitting at four and one uh, on the season after a road win against TCU, an impressive road win yesterday, in my opinion, uh, against the Horned Frogs, a team that has given Texas all kinds of problems over the last few weeks, or last decade, really. Uh, at any rate, what we're going to try to do today is go through the offense, defense, special teams, and then talk about the lay of the land in recruiting, because that's such an important part of the entire mix for what's, what Texas and Steve Sarkeesian are trying to accomplish right now. Uh, so without further uh, ado, that's my favorite phrase, I think, I'm going to bring in the publisher of Inside Texas and someone that, that has his pulse on the team uh, and in recruiting as well, as well as anybody there is, and that's Eric Nolene. Eric. Okay, I'm joined now with uh, Eric Nolene. Eric is uh, the publisher of Inside Texas, as I mentioned. Uh, this is a production that is part of the Inside Texas staff. You can find us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel there. You can also find us on podcasts, uh, on Apple or Spotify. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, start the process here. This is going to be a little bit of a different uh, type of podcast and uh, video cast that we want to do. And it's really about the team itself uh, and the state of the program uh, on a weekly basis. And there's no one better for me to talk to about this than Eric. Uh, Eric is one of those guys that not only watches the games and, and is involved with that from a publishing standpoint, but he's also on top of recruiting at the same time. And so uh, without further uh, ado, again, I'll say that word. Uh, welcome in, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Bobby. I'm excited about your little YouTube uh, enterprise here. I can't wait for you to uh, reach influencer status. Yeah, it's going to be huge, right? It is, <laughs> it's going to be bigly huge. Um, yeah. Now, so really, uh, you know, Eric, the state of the program, just a, a quick overview of where Texas is today, right now, compared to the, where they were you know, six months ago, eight months ago, really, uh, when Tom Herman was fired and Steve Sarkeesian was was uh, named named his successor. Well, I think the TCU game from last year to this year is a, the perfect uh, uh, dichotomy, just juxtaposition. Um, obviously, that team played uh, incredibly wound up. Um, this team, in some ways, still mirrored the the things that the Sarkeesian is trying to clean up. You know, that was uh, not a clean game by any by any means. They came out slow, not quite as slow as TCU last year, which was pretty much the worst start I've ever seen to any sporting event in my life. Um, you know, they didn't play a clean game. They, they were able to beat TCU with a C-plus effort, and that never would have happened uh, under the previous two coaches or even the third one uh, at, at the end of Mac Brown's career. So um, they're in a good place, especially uh, compared to where they were leaving Fayetteville a few weeks ago. So, I, I mean, Sark's got them headed in the right direction, and, and I think uh, excitement about the team is, is justified. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that it, they're on the precipice here, right? I think that's the best way to put it. They, they're looking ahead to OU and Oklahoma State, who are – likely two of the top three teams in the league um, and they're staring opportunity in the face. Um, and so where's the program? I think, I think that's pretty much where it is. And, it, and I couldn't say that this time last year when, to your point about TCU, I mean, what a difference a year makes. I tried to write that article on, on Sunday morning specifically about that because 
you know, I just remember watching that TCU game last year and there was everything about it was disappointing. You know, there were, you know, three and outs ad nauseum on offense and there was, you know, really basic football assignments on defense that were just not there. I mean, letting the quarterback uh, run down the field. And, and this year, even with that C plus effort to your point, um, it, 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 they still came out on top and, and really probably a, a goal line stop away from blowing out TCU at TCU. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You know, they ran that same play back to back. They just kind of flip sides. Uh, if that goes in and, and we're talking about an even different ball game, but yeah, you know, back to your point, they're finding ways to win instead of finding ways to lose. And that's, that's the key thing right there. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to put it. Okay. Let, I, I want to break this into three segments or actually four. I first want to talk about the offense state of the program, then defense and special teams. Then I want to talk about recruiting. And then I just want to circle back to the whole uh, shebang kind of. So offense right now, where do you see this offense? Is Casey Thompson enough? Uh, are, you, are you still worried? Um, is, I mean, Bijan is a freak. I don't think there's a, a more polite way to put it. I, I make, I'm, I say that in a nice way, right? Um, right. uh, worthy is, is coming of age a little bit, but had a little setback. I mean, where, where do you see the, the offense right now and in, in the entire situation? Well, I mean, they're in a good spot to build off of, um, you know, this, this team can be good. The offense can be good. The team overall can be good by, by riding Bijan's greatness, but for the offense to become great itself, it's going to have to, uh, take what the defense is doing to stop Bijan and using it to their advantage. You know, they're going to get defenses in predictable situation and Sarkeesian's going to have to scheme those, uh, the advantages uh, in their favor. And then, then the team's going to have to take advantage of themselves through execution. You know, after uh, Arkansas was very critical of, uh, of the coaches more so than the players uh, this week, I'm a little more, probably a little more critical of the players than the coaches that they got to take advantage of the opportunities. Um, I think Casey played two different games. One uh, as the, the captain of the ship, I thought he, he did a good job. Uh, leading the program. Uh, but then as a passer, um, you know, he missed some throws. He made some bad throws. He could have been picked off a couple more times. Uh, and then, of course, he had a lot of drops. Uh, Worthy had a freshman-like game, uh, which he's going to have to, you know, you'd rather get that, that out of the way uh, in a win uh, than lose because of it. Um, and Whittington picked him up a couple times as well. But the, the, the receivers have to make more plays for him, and then Casey has to do a better job of getting them ball, a ball where, uh, where they could do something with it. You know, that, that, it was a poorly officiated game, which is pretty much uh, standard for the Big 12. Uh, but that one uh, that was called uh, way over uh, uh, Wiley's head down the sideline that, you know, Texas got bailed out on that, that, that throw missed him by a mile. Uh, so, so Chase is going to have to dial it in, but he did a good job leading the team. Uh, he made a couple of really big plays with his legs at third and three conversion. Uh, and then that big 41 yarder both led to field goals. Um, that's another thing, you know, they got to do better in the red zone. This team has to, to win games uh, by, by being uh, returning that, that to that, uh, that level of success they had in the red zone before the, before the TCU game. You know, you, you mentioned that, and this is interesting because I, I rewatched the game on Sunday morning, and I know you did too, right? And yep. one of the things we both, I bet, picked up on, Texas uh, through four weeks had been, they hadn't been error-free by any stretch on offense. They'd had some miscues along the offensive line, um, but they had stayed away from, from some really stupid penalties like uh, procedure penalties and key yeah. spots. And yeah, Wiley, Wiley coming on, Wiley coming on late, and then and then jumping. Yeah, that was. That yep, was Wiley came on late and then jumped, and then I think it was uh, Kerstetter jumped in another uh, second and three at the the four or something, and and they right. ended up backing them up, and then they went to the the uh, 
shovel pass to Worthy that got him down to the one. So I, I think that that was probably, that hurt them in the red zone. I, I don't think there's any question, right? Because uh, they were in definite score position and it kind of got turned around on them. And that's, for me, I, I looked at that and thought about it this morning a little bit more. And maybe that's part of where the program is, right? Is they're, they're right there if they don't make those mistakes and they can capitalize, to your point, this the TCU game was more on the players and what they did somewhat as opposed to the scheme or what they saw, right? Um, and I feel like, you know, they're only going to do it if they get put in those situations more and more frequently. Um, because I do think that that there's a way to get that experience so that you're you're not the the situation you're in isn't larger than your ability, right? right. Yeah. And I and I think that that some of that is is uh, inherent upon the coaches, but I think a lot of it is is the team. So, bottom line, Casey Thompson right now has has a problem hitting the deep ball. Casey Thompson at the same time is three and zero as a starter, and and they are moving the ball. You know now that may be because uh, the the offensive line is starting to find its way, and there's some uh, real movement behind Bijan being one of the best players in college football. Um, but at some point, Texas is going to have to beat those deep because we're looking right now at the game coming up on the schedule with, with OU. They're going to have to hit the ball deep or else OU is just not going to respect it at all. Right. Um, and because it, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, what do you – one other question that I, I think is a little surprising for me this year, and it may not be as surprising for you because I know you, you do a lot more film study than I do. Um, of the team and that is the the use of the tight end position I feel like um, they're starting to find their way I mean they're they're playing two tight ends what 60 70 percent of the time does that sound right to you or at uh, least that's a lot I'm not sure it's a lot yeah yeah I mean what did you expect that necessarily or well not they rep they they 12 personnel probably more than any other package uh in August um yeah that I think that was, uh, you know, part parcel with not having wide receivers step up, uh, you know, that, that that's you, you're going to do that. And then uh, caters to your offensive identity of, of running Bijan. You know, you've got you've got a mobile blocker. You can do a lot of different formations with. Um, well, I think they're going to have to start hitting those guys on some passes. I thought I would see more RPOs to them uh, up to this point. I, more RPOs in general. I expected a heavier dose uh, yesterday. You saw it work on uh, that touchdown of Whittington. It was beautiful. I think that was kind of there all day. I was surprised Sarkeesian didn't uh, call that more. That's going to settle Casey down and get him into a rhythm more often than not. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the, the tight ends are, are playing decent. I, I wish that Wiley uh, blocked as big as he looks like he can block. Uh, but Brewer does a really good job, especially uh, on, on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, one thing that's been pretty good that Coleman doesn't get enough credit for is the, the blocking of the wide receivers. Even those little wiry guys are, are getting after it now. They shouldn't have plays running where they ex uh, that demand uh, execution from 160 pound freshmen, uh, but you know those guys are are given the effort. Uh, but uh, you know the perimeter blocking has been pretty good. The inline blocking from Wiley hasn't been great, but he's also been pretty much uh, uh, unhealthy for most of the season. But you you want to see those tight ends getting more involved in the passing game because a lot of times those are high percentage throws. Yeah, and they'll take some pressure off of the running running game, right? Uh, sure. to, to little misdirection as well on bootlegs and, and whatnot. The, hey, the other, uh, you know, stop the flow a little bit to the, to the ball side. The other, the other question that I just, I just thought about was you mentioned the wide receiver blocking. I think you bring up a great point. Um, on the run, the 40 plus yard run by 
Casey Thompson. If you or anybody that's listening gets a chance to go back and, and watch Xavier Worthy's effort yeah. blocking on that play, did you notice that at all by chance? I didn't notice it on that one. I noticed it a number of times, but not on that yeah. play. He came back and made himself into a blocker after totally whiffing on uh, a play. And it probably gave Casey 10 extra yards just by getting himself in the way of the other yeah. guy. And then the other guy that, you, you you know, I think that you and I would agree on that as a blocker is terrific is Marcus Washington. Right. Yeah. We need to reward him with more targets. Yeah, absolutely. And they did, they did target him uh, uh, once. And just, that was, uh, I think that's the, the back, one where. The back of the end zone, I think a guy tipped it and it went straight into his face mask. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You but know, those guys are, you know, Marcus, if you've seen Marcus's dad on Twitter, you're not going to be surprised that he's throwing his body around there on, uh, <laughs> on you know, blocking it. You know, his dad, you know, pretty rough background. Uh, I don't think he's going to tolerate any softness out of his son out on the football field. And then Worthy's just a pure football player. You know, that guy could probably play corner if he wanted to. I'm sure he could play corner if he wanted to. Um, you know, I wish I would have known him better as a recruit because I wouldn't have been calling him. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to be more of a project as far as, you know, route running and all that. But he showed up to campus pretty much ready to go. So, yeah, yeah he's, been, I mean, he's been a revelation. He's got the type of confidence, kind of like Whittington has, where he's going to put those drops behind him. I don't, I don't expect that to, to have be a lingering issue. Yeah, I think he's a baller, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of that's best way to put those guys. If, need more of those guys. Need more yeah, of those guys. Yeah. So, first five games, your your thought on the state of the offense, like A, B, C, however you want to grade it, one to ten. What do you think? Well, I mean, they're on the right path. I thought, you know, I I would like to see more outside zone. Uh, I think that's going to be the bread and butter for the team. Um, I'm also kind of just partial to it in general. Uh, but I think it sets up well. And I think that they might be heading in that direction too, especially if Okafor is out. You know, Okafor's strength is going to be drive blocking. Uh, now you've got Kerstetter over there. So uh, you, you'll probably see more outside zone. I think Ian said they only ran it seven times on Saturday. I think once they get that going, everything's going to be a lot easier for, for Casey as well. Um, so I think I, I don't think we've seen what this offense is going to become. I don't think we're anywhere close. I think the uh, offensive line is a work in progress. Um, uh, they've come a lot further since Arkansas than they have since uh, Louisiana. So that, <laughs> that tells you how bad the Arkansas scheme was. Uh, but I think they're on a path. I think, uh, I think Sar Sarkeesian is still understanding what he can do with these pieces. And I think the pieces are, are still trying to understand what, what they can do within the scheme too. Um, the, 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 goodness, the good thing is, you know, we're going to continue seeing improvement. You know, I can't expect everything to be Rice and Tech. They finally met some resistance. Uh, and they didn't execute great, but but uh, but I think they're on the path. I think they're understanding and, and creating an identity. I just think they need to run more outside zone, and I'll, you know, hopefully uh, we see more of that on on Saturday versus OU. Got it. All right, let's move on to the defense. You ready? Sure. All right. All right. So Pete Kwiatkowski comes to Texas from Washington. Uh, long story short, kind of, I mean, Sark kind of backed into him. No matter what somebody wants to say publicly. Uh, Sark went after Barry Odom, talked to Will Muschamp briefly, uh, looked at some other guys as well, uh, but really settled, settled on Kwiatkowski, kind of just got a got a phone call from a buddy, and uh, here, here he comes, and he's plenty decorated, very, very quality coach. Yeah, I think Pete uh, Carroll uh, put in a call to, uh, to Sark regarding, yeah, so that's, you know, pretty, uh, doesn't get much better than that. No, and, and, and so that's my question, I guess, right, is... So it was thought that the defensive line would be the strength of the defense this year, or at least most people did. Most people would have said that just by looking at the roster. But they probably under or overestimated what Texas would get off the edge compared to what they would get inside. And then Keandre Coburn's lack of 
disruptiveness, not necessarily his lack of play overall, but lack of disruptiveness on the inside has kind of made that defensive line not what it is. And at the same time, the Longhorns are keeping the ball, at least against TCU, played more sound football than they did a year ago um, and kept the ball in front of them. And, you know, I, I think that did they play great yesterday um, or against TCU? No. Did they play good enough to win? Yeah, they did. I uh, had a couple of key stops and a couple of three and outs and uh, got their, their team the ball back. Where, where are you at on the defense and, and your thought process on the state of the defense at this point? Yeah. Well, this isn't my original thought, but I'm agree, I agree with whoever uh, mentioned it. It might have been Paul. Uh, you know, maybe it was Ian. I'm not sure. But uh, this sounds more like something Paul would say. But, um, you know, he's teaching them football uh, and not schemes. More, he's, he's teaching them more fundamentals and technique uh, more than trying to, to win games with calls. He's trying to, to, to teach it with sound, uh, assignment sound football. Um, guys playing straight up and honest. It's a, it's a very simple defense. Uh, is the word behind the scenes. Um, and he's just trying to get those guys playing comfortable and playing fast. Uh, and I think they're still, they're not playing fast. I wouldn't say that yet. Um, so I think, you know, instead of winning the game with blitzes and calls and exotic schemes and all this stuff, he's just trying to win it straight up. Um, and obviously he's playing some bend but don't break, uh, which tells me he's done a lot of homework on the Big 12. Uh, and then you, you tighten up in the red zone and they've, they've done pretty good in the red zone this year. Um, obviously, you know, that, that lasting impression of, for a lot of fans is that 99-yard drive. Uh, which is pretty unfortunate, but they they allowed only 350 yards. Um, you know, some of that is Gary Gary Patterson not not getting much out of uh, nearly as much out of Zach as Texas got out of Bijan. Uh, but I think he's I think he's got him on the right path. Um, it's you know I think that the the defense has probably been more undercoached in the last couple of years. Other than you know when Ash came in, I think he started to reverse the the the, the course there. Uh, Orlando was just trying to win with 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 call, uh, calls and exotic schemes and and, and guessing right, uh, and they're trying to, to make something lasting and sustainable of teaching good good sound football. And I, I think there's you know they're nowhere close to what they're going to be eventually. Gotcha. Um, I mentioned edge guys, that kind of disappointing year thus far from a uh, getting after the quarterback uh, situation. Any other things that you think of are, are strengths or, or better than maybe you anticipated? Anthony Cook comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Well, I agree with you on the edges for sure. You know, they need that. They're missing that one NFL guy. If, you know, if Osai had come back, this defense would look a little different. Um, those guys are playing pretty decent against the run, I would say. And, and Thornton, you know, he didn't make a ton of plays yesterday, but he got some good drops. So I think they're getting some value out of it. But, yeah, it would take the defense to another level for sure. Anthony Cook has been a revelation, um, you know, since they they went into August camp with uh, Adam Mora there. Then they tried Jaron Thompson there. And then, you know, they, they gave uh, Cook a couple practices with the ones and he's never looked back. Um, you know, I think a lot of us that, that are in the rankings uh, services probably overrated him a little bit as a corner. I wasn't quite as high on some as him, but uh, what we really underranked uh, about him was his tenacity and his toughness uh, and the ability for him to play nickel. So I should have I should have uh, thought thought that through a little bit more. Um, he's a really ideal nickel because he, you don't give up much coverage skill. A lot of times that we've seen in the past is you've got guys that were bigger and bulky that were, were uh, better suited to play in the run. Um, but now you, when, you, when you're going up against the OU that, that gets the ball to the slot receiver, uh, you need a guy like Cook with, with his uh, incredible quickness and change of direction. Uh, but then he's also got the toughness to, to go take on blocks, take on uh, uh, tight ends. He's, he's just a feisty dude. Um, I think Paula said that he thinks he's the best defensive player on, on the team so far. You know, I'd probably have to agree with that. Um, so, yeah, he's been a revelation. That's not an easy position to play, and he's playing it at a, at a pretty high level. He, he, uh, he made it. I think from a defensive perspective, I thought the, the sack forced fumble was the play of the game. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I think that 
that changed uh, the momentum probably of the, the game. Play, probably the play of the game in general. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, because uh, ultimately TCU was going in to score. They were at least going to get a field goal out of it, most likely, right? Yeah. Um, and he came from the blind side, ran it well, didn't didn't telegraph it too early. Uh, and and uh, Duggan never saw it coming. Um, I will say this, I, in this, this, it reminds me, you mentioned also just, I, I got to say this because you mentioned Evans and Bijan and, and Sark getting more out of Bijan than Patterson got out of Evans. The first run by Zach Evans for a touchdown, I mean, he made Anthony Cook. I mean, it was a, a Zach Evans is a talent. I mean, you can say yeah. what you want. Yeah. about whether or not he has the the whether or not he's Bijan or or whatever but he made Anthony Cook look a little silly on that play and it was he I was, was like, oh. he was very physical as a lead blocker too he was yeah. very engaged he you know he Gary's back there looking at him as an h-back uh he was he, he was he's a, he's a full-grown man he was the second best player on the field for sure yeah so um the defense uh I also thought that Darian Dunn played fairly well yesterday Especially yeah, quite the, a game, and that's what you yeah. want. To, yeah, that's what you want out of the corners. They, you know, that uh, Jameson played a good game as a corner as well. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the type of the play they need out of those guys, and that's the value of depth. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're you know a lot of a lot of schools would be in trouble if they lose their their best corner, but Texas Texas played pretty well, and then it doesn't doesn't hurt that Dugan kind of looked like Jake Locker back there, just swinging it around and <laughs> little erratic as a as a passer. That that helped out as well. Um, Rattler's going to have a little more uh, precision. I think he only had three incompletions the other night, so. It's going to be a different different ball game, but uh, you know the defense. Like you know, back to your original point, um, I think the defense is going to continue to improve because because uh, Kwiatkowski is going about it the right way in a way that's going to be lasting. Uh, teaching football, a lot of those guys are known as quality teachers, uh, pretty much across the board. They might have sacrificed a little bit of recruiting when they when they made when they put that defensive staff together, but I don't think they sacrificed teaching ability. So we'll see. If I'm right, that'll show up in the next couple of weeks. What do you? Right. Uh, what are you thinking? Of, well, who's your defensive MVP so far? Well, until to, until this week, I would have said Moro Jomo. Um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that, he, remi that reminds me to ask about why did he play more in Baron Sorrell, too? I'll do that yeah, for this week. Yeah. And they may have, I, I can only think that Ojomo must have been a little injured. Something had to be up there. Right? Um, but we didn't see him much. Uh, you know, um, as, I think that that the two linebackers have kind of been the the that them and Cook have been the people that have kept it together. They've connected the front to the back, right? Um, it's, and, such, it's such a tough decision to play, and and you know we're you know I guess the Overshone sort of lost that guy on that crossing route. Man, he was still kind of. I mean, it's it's just such a tough tough position to play. It really is in today's in today's football because you I mean they're running RPO or they're running. I mean it's just all kinds of different action, and their eyes have to be everywhere. It's right. one of those things. And I think that some, one of the things that, that recruiting analysts, and we'll talk about recruiting in a minute, but recruiting analysts tend to do is they, they tend to look at just physical traits. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you're not looking at Luke Brockemeyer and going, wow, look at his physical traits at, mm -hmm. at all. Yet, I mean, he is a more than passable Big 12 linebacker. Uh, in right. fact, you know, he is, he's in the right place most of the time or 95% of the time. And he's doing the most that he can to get there. Now, on a stretch play, he can't reach to get to Zach Evans. Right? You know, that's right. those yeah. are legit issues. But you know what? Everything else is, 
you know, they're not breaking a ton of long runs against Texas right now. So, um, yeah, the head, I, the head is, the head is always going to be the hardest thing to evaluate. And, you know, I don't, a lot of times I don't feel qualified to, to evaluate, you know, inside linebackers, you know, you just, it, it, and same with quarterbacks, you know, you really have to understand what their mindset is and, and how they see the game and, and their instincts and stuff. And that, you know, that's how you see a lot of those good linebackers that, you know, were three stars, Iowa state finds them and K state forever found them. And, um, Odom, who you mentioned earlier, Gary, uh, he, he found him in East Texas quite a bit. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's why, you know, you see a lot of five stars that don't make it and you see a lot of three stars that do probably at that position more than others, I would say. I, 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 I think that's a fair point. All right. So I, I think I get your feel on where the defense at, is at it. I mean, to sum, summarize, really, your thinking is work in progress, trying to get everybody in the right spot still so they can actually play fast. Yeah, they're still learning football. Yeah, I got you. All right. So special teams, I think it's been better than expected this year. Uh, uh, Ian yesterday asked me a question on on a on the podcast and video cast. Uh, asked me when the last time I remember a Texas team being this good on special teams or this coached up. Not necessarily mm-hmm. this this coached up, right? And I can't. I, I think back to when uh, Dwayne Aquina was running it um, and doing the pump block stuff. Uh, with Aaron Ross as a returner, yeah. Griffin as a punt blocker, uh, and that that kind of guys, and they had shift. Yeah, for, for years, it was always Texas and Virginia Tech were mentioned as as a special teams uh, schools, you know. And uh, Texas had that reputation for a long time, and then lost it for a long time. Uh, I don't think you're going to find a poorly coached football team that all of a sudden has good special teams. And Texas has had some pretty poorly coached football teams, I would say. And so that's going to have a downward effect on special teams that gets you know the probably the least amount of allocation. So a well a well coached team, I think a, a prerequisite to a well coached uh, special teams is just a well coached team in general, and yeah. uh, you know that's Jeff Banks has that reputation. My buddy coached with him at A and M uh, when he had special teams there. He said he he just does a bunch of unique stuff that probably doesn't show up to to the normal viewer, doesn't show up to me because I don't really look for it. But he does a lot of little unique things, and he, he finds these little uh, places where he can peck and find a weakness, and that's where he, you know he's moving Keelan Robinson around. He's had a couple blocks. Uh, yesterday, it wasn't uh, necessarily a strength without kind of one missed tackle. You know, Tyler Owens went down there a little too hot uh, and missed, and then the guy broke it off for whatever, 80 yards. But it's it's been a plus on the, uh, on the whole for the season. It was good to see Dicker. You know, I, I, I failed to mention him in my pregame write-up. I had a feeling it, it might he might play a big part, uh, but I also didn't know which way he was going to go. He's been a little erratic. But, uh, you know, he, he made some big field goals, and that's, that's good to get his confidence going headed into uh, the site of his uh, biggest kick uh, in his career on Saturday. Yeah, and you mentioned Digger. It's it's we we that first kick, right? High snap. <laughs> yeah, terrible high snap. snap. You're like, great. I mean, they already lost seven points on a on a on a uh, special teams return, and now they're going to get lose three on a high snap. I mean, that's just right. that's not a recipe for success. Lance, Lance St. Louis can't get here fast enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I just I literally thought to myself, and then it boinked in, and I'm like, okay. You know, things may go right for Texas today. And, and I, you know, Dicker has the ability. I think that's mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah. It's it, another and, thing you can't evaluate is kickers because of the mental, the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right. So special teams is improving. I, I think that, that you and I just, long story short, it's just improving, period. I, I think. Yeah in almost all aspects of the game. It gets, it gets the right amount of emphasis. Uh, Banks has that energy that resonates that, you know, when guys think that special teams is going to be a little bit of a break between offense and defense, it's not because he's lighting them up. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've got the athletes to pull it off too, you know, so 
maybe not they, they might not have the ideal athletes that they're kind of uh, going after now maybe uh, but they've got a they've got a pretty good catalog of athletes back there that they can throw at at uh, covers teams and, and whatnot. So, you know they'll get ripped. That was another you know maybe that was meant to be to happen in that TCU game rather than than next week. So the, another thing to, to iron out. I um, you know as as we look forward to next week uh, and we talked about this right. Um, uh, you and I have talked about it. Jerry and I have talked about it, um, and that's recruiting and recruiting momentum and Texas is sitting at four and one somewhat surprising right OU's expectedly five and oh um but all summer and all spring all we heard about was how big this A&M Alabama game was going to be on this weekend and it's going to be big just for Texas yeah I well I mean A&M is literally coming off of two what I think are bad losses um not not necessarily that they lost to Arkansas because, I mean, we saw what Texas, what happened at Texas had a bad loss to Arkansas too, but the uh, kind of the ineptitude you saw somewhat of, of them on offense, particularly, and it, it just looks awkward. I don't know how else to put it. Like it looks, yeah. there's no cohesiveness or efficiency to it. Right. Or it's like almost like uh, there's no, uh, play setting up the next play type thing. And, uh, and you know, they have all kinds of talent on defense right now at a and uh, And so my point though, is that we have Texas, it's top five ranked recruiting class right now. Is it likely to stay top five as some other schools start getting a bunch of commitments? I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at the state of the program and I'm saying, okay, what does Texas need? You know, Texas, uh, Jerry feels, feels pretty strongly that Texas is going to get some good interior offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. He thinks they may go portal for offensive tackles. You agree with, unless, unless somebody sneaks up or else somebody. Yeah, well, I th- yeah. I think you're always in the market uh, for offensive tackles, no matter where you can get them. Um, and I, you know, that's, you know, that's why I'm not, you know, on board with this, you know, number five class in the, in the nation. I mean, it's good, you know, it's, it's great to talk about, um, but you know, they've got need positions that, that, that have gone unfulfilled and, and tackles definitely one of them. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure they'll go in the portal. Uh, you know, you're always looking to upgrade over the line where, wherever you can do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll leave open a spot or two for, for offensive tackle. Uh, but you know, in the re- recruiting class, there's just not a lot of options that are viable right now. Um, you know, I don't, it's, they've got to be feeling good, you know, with, with where they're at, uh, because they're not putting out a bunch of new offers. Uh, when was the last offensive uh, tackle offer that went out? I, you know, I can't even recall. Uh, Jerry did report today that, that Cameron Williams is going to be at the OU game, uh, obviously, but he's committed to Oregon. And, you know, you know I guess the hope there is that he's going to get a little uh, afraid to leave home or, uh, you know, as it gets closer to his time to, to sign. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I do think they are going to definitely going to go after offensive linemen in the portal. They, they pretty much have to. It's the quickest way to upgrade. They're not the team isn't all that far off. Um, and so that you're not necessarily looking to build through the draft, but more so through uh, through free agency. Uh, any players? So so you know any players right now? You feel like are, are guys that we're watching for for Texas um, to really domino here soon, uh, possibly for Texas, or uh, that that you think make a difference? I mean, I I, I know that that sounds kind of like an odd question, but the reason I'm asking is because I, I feel like 
um, and I'll say it again and again, I, Sark can do stuff with speed that a lot of coaches just fail to do uh, because right. they, they don't get them in space. Um, but also I think about speed and, and speed on defense, and I think they need some corners, right? Yeah. So where what are you thinking right now? Like if you had to sit there and say, like, where are the positions they really absolutely got to have outside of offensive tackle that, that we talked about? I mean – yeah, more priority position. Uh, you know, another priority, big priority coming in the class, really, I said it going in the last cycle that they needed it, uh, is wide receiver. Uh, and so, you know, there's a couple times in every cycle where you can really manifest momentum. And they're really close to doing that on the field. Uh, and then if they, you always want to, to really create momentum, you have to start getting some guys in the boat. And, you know, I think Brennan Thompson uh, is one to be watching out for. He's going to go to the Texas A&M game on Saturday. Who knows what he's going to see. Obviously, Texas is, uh, versus OU that day will be a data point for them as well. Uh, but the need is the need is there. The scheme is there. There's a lot of things that make make Texas attractive to Brennan, and I think Texas is in a good spot for him. Uh, and I, I think he'll probably make a decision before the end of October. Uh, that would be a very big one. You know, fills a need. Uh, he's a high high priority uh, target that they've been recruiting for a long time. He's well known. Um, speed's exciting. People want to play with fast players, uh, and so that would be a very big one. Fill a huge need. Uh, you know, obviously they're still going after uh, Evan Stewart and Jordan Hudson, but they've got to start getting some of these guys in the boat. Uh, and, you know, that that October 16th, I'm sure we'll talk about that a few more times between now and then uh, is going to be a, be a gigantic day in a way to, to harvest some momentum. Uh, but, yeah, obviously cornerback is another one, Bobby. Uh, that, like offensive tackle, they haven't put out a ton of offers there. Uh, they're sticking to their guns and staying after the guys uh, that they have been. Denver Harris, uh, they'll keep, keep going after uh, Bryce Anderson, uh, even though he's committed to A&M. Uh, he might be he's, he's definitely one for Texas fans to keep an eye on, not saying he's going to flip or anything like that. But uh, Texas is still in the battle battle there. And that that would be too. you know, those guys are you, you need corners like we're talking about. We're bragging about the depth of Texas. But to, to continue that depth, you got to land some guys. Uh, and Denver Harris has a chance to start as a true freshman. I think Texas is uh, is in that as well as anybody. People that are, are thinking he's a foregone conclusion to Alabama are, are I think they're off there. Harold Perkins is another big name guy that that might be um, uh, he's kind of an exciting player, right? Top 10, top oh, 10 yeah. player in the country. Yeah, I think that one's going to go down to uh, probably to December, though. Um, you know, I think Denver's probably going to end up going down to December. Um, you know, if Bryce flips, it, it probably won't be anytime soon. So there's going to be some guys that are we're kind of in that middle ground now where, you know, the guys that pop during the summer pop and the, and the guys that want to wait are going to wait till December, probably. Uh, but Thompson is definitely one to keep an eye on just because he's probably on a quicker timeline. Jaleel Skinner, Skinner's uh, announcing this week the tight end out of uh, South Carolina by way of IMG. Um, you know, I'm thinking probably Florida or Alabama more so than Texas. But, you know, Jeff Banks uh, definitely has, has UT in the conversation. Uh, you know, they're credibly in it. Um, uh, you know, we'll see there. I'm not, you know, it's a, he's a luxury in the class. Uh, but, you know, he's probably going to end up at, at Alabama or Florida, I would say. Yeah, the uh... – the other guy that, that Jerry keeps bringing up and I, at corner is Terrence Brooks. Um, I'm not saying that the, the, uh, the I think he's at Little Elm, Little Elm now, right? Right, um, yeah. When, when, Jerry, when, when, Jerry, when Jerry started working uh, with Inside Texas, we were, we were both, we were, we were just talking shop and getting caught up on everything and, and recruits we like. And uh, Brooks was rated, you know, somewhere like 37th, you know, 40th in the state. And we were both talking, we were both ranting and raving. Um, I love that kid. Uh, and I was happy to see uh, Jerry uh, put him in the top 15, I think, in the nation as a five-star. You know, I, I think um, 
Texas is going to have to put out a really good product on the field. Uh, that kid is, is extremely driven by uh, coaching, um, wants to be great. He wants that track record. Um, I think Terry Joseph probably has a better track record than people realize. Um, he, he, you know, he played a huge part in getting Kyle Hamilton to Notre Dame. Uh, Troy Pryor, he played a big part in developing him. Uh, so I think, I think Joseph is a, is a better developer than people realize, but he, needs, he, does, he does need some recognition from this year from you know, Josh Thompson continuing to play well. Uh, no, more, no more mental mistakes from Jameson. Um, and then, you know, whatever happens at Ohio State uh, with, uh, with Kerry Coombs, uh, the coach that recruited him, uh, that's a huge variable in that recruitment. So, yeah, I love Brooks. They're staying in on it. Um, even though his father went to A&M, he had always signed off on, uh, on UT if that's what his son decided. So, yeah, you know, recruiting's wild. You know, we never, you, you, never, you never close your eyes to a recruitment. You know, you always circle back and check on these, well, these recruitments. That's one that Jerry has, has stayed in contact with just because there's that, that slight chance that maybe he changes his mind at the end. I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't look forward to 2023 recruiting and talk about um, Arch Manning. So I, cool. there, I broke, I broke the seal, right? I said the name. Yeah. Let's get Eric on the record about Arch Manning. All right. All right. Let, let's, let's hear what you think. Well, you know, I, I knew his family liked the school for a long time, even when Tom Herman was still the coach. Um, I knew his sister May almost ended up at UT before she got into Virginia at the last second. So that means that the family signs off on the school. Uh, you know, obviously football is a different consideration. You have to factor for that as much as you have to factor for the education when you're, when you're, when you're such a talent. Um, when they hired Steve Sarkeesian, the first thing, I, one of the first things I thought of was Arch Manning. You know, I knew that Arch was very fond of uh, what Alabama was doing on offense and Sarkeesian the person. Um, and so that, you know, one of the first things I wrote about him at, at that point was Texas is going to be one of the teams to beat in that recruitment. And I think uh, for a long time, people kind of laughed it off. And then little by little, people started hearing it in little pockets here and little pockets there. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, it, it be, Texas became a thing. People are still kind of surprised. I read an article the other day and it mentioned surprisingly Texas is in it. Uh, it's not surprising to me. Uh, it's not surprising uh, if you know how much they like Sarkeesian, how much they respect him as a quarterback developer. Um, you know, how much they respect them as a, uh, from a schematic standpoint. Uh, and then on top of it, the cherry on top is they like the school and Austin's in a great city. And, uh, you know, so I, I think Texas is, is right there in it. If they keep winning, I think they're going to, I think they're going to win out, but they have to earn it. That's a recruitment that you have to earn. You're not going to be given that, um, you know, he does like Georgia. I think he does kind of like that college town, uh, you know, that college environment that Clemson and Georgia have. That's a little bit different uh, at UT, you know, UT is kind of a city uh, within a city. And those other ones are, are, you know, legit college campuses. You know, if Ole Miss, yeah. you know, had a little different head coach, maybe he'd be looking at Ole Miss like his grandfather and, and uh, uncle. Uh, but Texas is in that one all the way. I think he's uh, every bit the talent that he's been made to be as well. Um, every Friday night, you can find him on Twitter dropping dimes. Uh, great release, effortless, effortless. And then he, uh, he takes the, the game as seriously as his uncles do. Let me ask you this. You know, the thought of pairing him with Reuben Owens, Ruben, Ruben, Ruben Owens has been, I don't know if you've been watching him on Twitter and huddle and oh, yeah. he looks pretty darn good to me. Now, I mean, there were, there was some people were saying like some, not, not the Texas personnel, but some people on other board, Oh, he's not really that good. I, I don't know that he's that good. He looks pretty freaking good. Yeah. When I, when he got, when he committed, um, I was watching a video. Uh, with him and I was taking a video of a video my son is in the background he can barely talk and he said he's too fast 
so even my son is, is starting to evaluate. And he even he picked up on it. But yeah, the Owens got a kick out of that. Uh, I think he's an awesome talent. He you know he can go from zero to hundred real quick, uh, and, he's, and he does it at a pretty good size too. And so yeah, you know the uh, competition isn't all that great. Blah blah blah. I mean, Jonathan, look how good Jonathan Brooks has uh, looked already, and, and he's coming from a lower a lower competition, but. Yeah, arch, arch with, uh, arch with uh, Ruben. Uh, you know, if, if they get arch, the you know, let's be real about it. They'll get Jonte Cook and probably a, a bunch of other guys. They'll be able to look national for wide receivers. Uh, but that's why that's why finished twenty twenty two is so strong is because there is that that chance that that those guys are, are playing with with arch and you need you know there's no point in having a having a guy like arch if you don't have the, the right weapons to surround him with. So that's where Texas is in that recruitment as well. That's another factor, and I think that's why they're front loading that. October 16th weekend with top tier talent uh, to show the Manning say hey, we can we're going to these are the guys you're going to be playing with uh, but also if you get in the boat it'll help us get more guys in the boat yeah um, long story short you like where Texas is at recruiting still wait wait and see a little bit where you at man it's, they're in a dangerous point yeah they're in a dangerous point right now um, I thought we'd probably have a little more resolution on how the class would shake out but I think that's probably going to wait another week until we can really start feeling confident okay they're going to finish really strong um like I said, there's there's a few points in the cycle where you can really harness momentum, and they're right there right now. Uh, if, if you know if they beat OU, um, I think they're going to finish. You know, I think they'll probably finish in the top five, and I I think they're going to win uh, some of those recruitments that, that are going to be very difficult to win. Uh, some of those recruitments are just hard to win in general. You're going up against Alabama, Georgia, and those schools, uh, so they're not going to win them all. But I do think they're going to win win their fair share, uh, and you know. Just getting those need positions are, are, are key. Wide receiver, cornerback, and, and uh, offensive tackle. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, um, Eric, I appreciate your time today, dude. I think I think we tried to touch on every piece of the team. Um, there's uh, probably some other stuff we can talk about next time. Uh, sure. But uh, for Eric Nalene, I'm Bobby Burton. This is on Texas football. Uh, and I uh, hope you join us uh, either on YouTube uh, for this show or Apple or Spotify podcast. Uh, also, please uh, consider subscribing uh, to Inside Texas. Uh, we have a, a group of great writers, columnists uh, that are producing content each and every day and, and join us in the conversation there where, where we really try to uh, go behind the scenes and give you the, the latest and greatest on the Longhorns. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Bobby. All right. Have a good one, dude. Yeah, you too. All right.